game of newts. I think that'll actually that'll draw some viewership. <laughs> it absolutely will. Sucker did. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast from independent validator teams. Welcome to Game of Nodes, an independent uh, podcast on something by validators, except for not me. I've got no idea what the intro is anymore. <laughs> oh, I used to know that. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even know what it was. That's why I was hoping you would do it. <laughs> <laughs> when it was the long comp, I can do the original one. Welcome to Game of Nodes, uh, podcast on the cosmos by independent validator teams. Yeah, when it was the long, complicated one, I could do that. Then it kind of just became we're a podcast, and I, I lost all, <laughs> all track of what it is. Well, I think uh, it's just drop the cosmos bit, and it's exactly the same, right? Podcast by what, independent sorry, validator teams. Fine. Not that I'm throwing shade, Except, since you know we volunteered no, no, no. you to say it. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I just find it odd as someone who's just independent and not a validator team to even be claiming it's from validator teams at this stage, seeing as I'm pretty much, you know, 50% of the phrase time, I would say now. Yeah. That's Same with true. Us. Yeah. Well, yeah. And our content doesn't exactly come from validators either. We're like, doesn't. hey, what, what happened? That's interesting. <laughs> exactly. And then we talk about validator stuff and people are like, can we not talk about validator stuff? Uh, <laughs> Fine. Well, that, that, that's mainly that's mainly me complaining about Null to, when he starts talking about his nodes at the data center. I just kind of snooze <laughs> for twenty minutes. I know that was a shit show this week. I was hoping he was here so we could talk about it. It was like all the perfect data center stuff. Like he got in late and then didn't ship, and then he planned his time, and then he was missing cables, and he had to go to the store. Then he got on a plane, and the guy said, "Oh yeah, it's ready to go. You ready?" And the kid's like, "No, I got on a plane." It was all perfect data center story stuff, which we'll have to hear about next year. It makes me really excited that he's going through it for the first time so that I can watch and really double down on me not wanting to host my own metal. I'm perfectly happy with like letting the experts deal with it and let the experts take care of the hardware replacements. We've had like six hard drive replacements in the last two months. Yeah, we're, That's yeah, we're, six times I didn't have to go to the data center this month. That's, that's awesome. exactly right. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Or even if like... Even if you have, I mean, you pay for it, but if, if there's a good team on some, some DCs, like, see, this is, we're right in a conversation that Benny doesn't want to have. Uh, but even if we're in some good DCs, like have really, uh, like really capable people on site that will get involved, right? And like you send them new stuff and you just give them a window and they handle it, right? Or they'll, they'll do whatever. And other ones are like, listen, here's a key. You go over there. And if you want to do something, you have to have somebody come in and do it for you. Um, and those are miserable. Like that's what, we're, that's what we're in. And so everything is like, it depends on like one of us are out of town or that's going on or all those types of things. It's, it's just, Oh, it's brutal. You don't want that. You want, you want just like maybe sip, send some hardware there. And if a drive fails, like you, you have like six more sitting in a case that the guy just can swap in when you talk to him type of thing. Like you don't want to be in there. It makes me kind of wonder about artifacts since he hosts his stuff, um, but not locally. Is he paying someone to do yeah. replacements if that happens? Yeah, he is. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Because yeah. I know yeah. that he also like hires his son to some extent, but that would be expensive flying them all over the world as he does. Yeah, no, I think you, harder. like okay. that's what you do. Like you, you get to deal with a, a DC that has like really good remote hands, and then you just send them machines, and you deal with like that structure of it, and then um, you give them some spares, and you know they'll they might even have logins in certain situations, which you may or may not want. Um, because you might have to do something on the OS or maybe something in IPMI to change something. So those are things you don't want to have. But 
I mean, you might have to, depending on what's going on, right? So, but yeah, it's it's uh, whew, it's brutal. There's something kind of romantic about owning your hardware to me, but the reality, I think, it's one of those things where I really have to let my let the reality sink in over and over. I have to be reminded yearly because yeah. yearly so, or every six months, someone talks to me is like, "Hey, have you thought about this?" And I'm like, "I love the idea. I love it." And then I have to like go talk to John about him doing prox mocks or whatever. And after, then uh-huh. I remember, oh yeah, 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 no, 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 I hate this idea. No, I'm out. <laughs> well, it's nice to like we have you a couple. Are- like we have a couple glamour shots. I have I have some more glamour shots coming of our stuff too because those are nice to be able to show it. It looks good, right? It's kind of like a it's a little bit of a penis measuring thing to be honest. Like unfortunately, because it's like oh you got a stack and there's like LED lights on it and shit, which is cool and maybe sometimes that works. But but if you're in that business and you look at a stack of hardware and you see no battery backup units and you see no switches and you see like no, all this type of stuff. What you actually see is like just hardware racked. And then you look at it and all I see is like problems. Like, I just, <laughs> like, like how much redundancy is in there? And like, what's the fiber look like and who has control of those routes and what's the failover on the switch that's sitting at the top of the rack. And then like, what does the BGP routes go for? And like, like you start getting these types of things where you just like, you just depress yourself. You're like, Oh, I don't want to deal with this shit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's that. This is the kind of conversation that reminds me that I have so little interest in the reality of running, it's, like operating. It the looks good. That, yes. Yeah. yeah, it looks good. But right, Bendy, is that what you're? Is this what you're really excited about? That I mean, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. When I'm picking my when I'm picking my validator, I just want a oh, perfect. See, that's the, per- yeah, that's the perfect time. lights. Have a bare metal validator. You know. You cut out there for a second, but you like twinkly likes, I'm guessing. That's what you like. You want to see some, you want to see some, like, some sexy flashing LEDs. That That's what will seduce me to delegate, um, <laughs> you know, nothing else. That's Just, perfect. you know. Good to what know. about when you get really professional and you put a sticker of the logo of the network on the machine? That's how you know you've truly made it as a validator when you can do that. It's true. Well, I assume that's what gets you a foundation delegation, right? Like that's I, how you get a foundation delegation. I think that's no, no, one. That, what that's one step above tattoo, right? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So tattoo <laughs> is like where foundation delegation goes in, and then hardware sticker on hardware is one one clearly more commitment than tattoo. It's yeah. <laughs> clearly what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I've not got so, access to the spreadsheets. I don't know what the topics are meant to be. So I mean, it doesn't really matter. No, that's good. I'll just carry on <laughs> drinking then, and you can you can talk about hardware if you really want to, and I'll, I'll wonder why I'm here. <laughs> I don't. So what? So what is happening this week, Benny? What have you getting? I'm, into? I'm basking the Lavana thing right now. If if we want to start talking about that, I, I find that utterly fascinating. Um, how Lavana? So Lavana has been like the most touted air, like what native airdrop. Cosmos airdrop launch in the last six months. And the fact that it like pumped and then the market makers immediately tanked it is just absolutely outrageous to me. But Ben, you probably know more about that than I do. Uh, well, I think you've pretty much described it. So um, it launches, I think, I think you could buy it at about 60 cents or something pretty much immediately. And then it went up right. to over a dollar 50. Um, and then it listed on GMEC, I want to say it was something like that. And went and then basically the market maker with a sledgehammer fist. Oh. Pause it up. Decided to close the 
You're breaking up, dude. Gap between like 170 and 30 cents. And incentives there. And Sonny himself was tweeting about it and all sorts of stuff. So pretty rough. Um, but I think the whole sequencing is weird. Um, certainly if you compare it to like what Tia did, Tia obviously have market makers doing stuff for them. That seems pretty straight obvious. Bendy, I wonder if you should turn your video camera off to like spare uh, some of the bandwidth because you're cutting out pretty good. Yeah, I think so. It might be a good idea. We're doing that. Whereas the, like, look. I think that's probably the issue. So, so catching up on that. So, so it, it started like, here, I'll make them up. So it started like 60 cents, right? Like it's, it started at like 60 cents or something similar to that. Right. And then you said it was pumping up to like a dollar 50. Cause I only saw it when it actually hit CoinGecko. CoinGecko, I think didn't get listed until after launch. Right. It was like, I think it started like 80 cents or something. Cause I think it was on the way down. Cause you said it was already in the over a dollar or something. Similar. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it went up quite a bit. So I, I, if I remember correctly, it launched at 50 or 60 cents. Um, and then due to the hype, due to the excitement, it pushed all the way up to like a dollar fifty, two dollars. Yeah. Um, oh, really? And then, yeah. And then suddenly it didn't. Like the the day candle or the fifteen minute candle is like it suddenly goes from that that number to like forty cents or fifty cents yeah. in one fell swoop. Um, yeah. Right so, now so, it's at it's listed. I think it's thirty two right now. Um, it's down sixty four percent in twenty four hours. Ooh, it's listed at thirty-two cents right now. Thirty-two right now, and at least on CoinGecko, that's where it's showing. Wow! So thirty-two nine, actually thirty-three. So yeah, it looks like it was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, I mean, this is it's so. But what? What I don't understand is what? Why would market makers be forcing down? Like, what? What do you know? What actions they're taking that would force this amount? I thought usually they were there to be able to be able to obviously prop up through through actions not necessarily take profits yeah so it sounds like it was an arb situation gone wrong right mm. the discrepancy between a dollar 70 and somewhere else i think osmosis it was like a dollar 70 and then on oh, a different exchange a different centralized exchange were launched at the same time was like 30 or 40 cents and so rather than trying to like equalize them they decided that the 30 cents or whatever it was was yeah. the correct number and then did a single sell to try and drive it all the way down to the other side. Right. Right. Which is like, that's something I would pull as like, if not a trading, not a market maker expert, I'd be like, I don't know. Let's just like, like do a big, like, <laughs> yeah. seems like, seems like time's right. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> like, Oh shit. <laughs> but I'm also not an expert. People don't pay me to market make, right. They pay me to run servers. That's so funny. So like I, even, even me, even me, I don't think that I would see, you know, the, <laughs> the slippage at like 80% and people, I would be like, I should probably not make this move right now. <laughs> like you don't necessarily need to be an expert to recognize, to not hit the button. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. All right. All right. Bendy's back. Much more festive situation. Still no lampshades, better Wi-Fi signal. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, so we'll see. I, I mean, I probably need more blinking lights on my hardware. Otherwise, you how, will, how you will my do. connection last, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's not too much of a lag actually between your lips and your sound. That's good. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, 
that's a hell of a, I mean, that, that, it really sucks for a team like that too. Like they've been working so hard on that. And then when it all, I mean, say it went through a similar situation, right. When, when the tokenomics came out, like right at launch, like there's, a, I guess every, every new chain has a, it never starts a hundred percent positively. Right. But, but shit like this always like leaves a, that's such a bad taste in people's mouths where like they kind of, then they, then they start questioning the whole situation. Right. Yeah, and I think Levana obviously has a slightly troubled history dating back to their NFT collection that essentially was considered at the time to be a bit of a rug. Turns out obviously not to be, and you you've got a bit of an airdrop in exchange for that early support and stuff. But it, it it's a it's a really good product, but absolutely terrible launch and. Uh, you know, ultimately, I'm probably bullish on the token because I think that the protocol makes it actually makes revenue and it hasn't mm-hmm. even really, you know, it's not been live very long. But yeah. would I buy anything right now? We don't give financial advice on this podcast, so I'm not going to say. <laughs> well, yeah, that's an interesting thing, right? Is that if you kind of look at it from a more holistic perspective, so the origin originally it was the dev wallet, I think, was accused of selling if I remember correctly. And that's where the Twitter was really focused on. But if you kind of look at it from the dev's perspective, they make something like $50,000 per week in trading fees, I think. $50,000 per week or per day. It's some pretty decent number, honestly. And so to drop the market... I think it's weak. Okay. So to drop the market so drastically for a $400,000 profit, it, it would just be insane, right? So I, I don't know. I feel bad for the devs as well. Like that, it, assuming it wasn't them, I don't think that we do know that it was the market maker that 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 caused it to happen versus it, the devil. They, but Levana have said it was a market maker, um, and they uh, said so okay, they okay. Levana gave Levana gave the market maker the tokens. That's why it looks like a um, Levana Foundation wallet. Uh, I guess because basically it is, but they've given that to the market maker. The market maker's off doing whatever they're kind of instructed to do, I guess, which is, I assume that it looks like they're targeting 30 cents as they're kind of like, this is roughly what we think the price of Levana should be. Uh, I, I, I don't know enough about how people do token launches well, but the whole sequencing of this and the way it's been done and, you know, Levana, they, they, there was a lot of stuff they didn't do brilliantly. Like they didn't, publish breakdowns on how the airdrop worked so like some people are saying i did do trading and i did register and you've not given me an airdrop and people don't really know why because they don't know how much volume they were meant to have done Mm. um and you know like i i got the airdrop because i've been doing some leverage trading which um previous like which i did to get the airdrop right so that as a piece of marketing it's worked and i've used the protocol and it's really good but like I think in the end I've done like, because it's all leveraged, right? It, it, but like 90,000 or something like that in terms of volume, yeah. um, which is which is which seems like a lot of money to me, but I wouldn't know whether I just scraped in or or, or was like way over the threshold. And I'd, if you don't tell people that kind of stuff, I can understand why people get frustrated. But I mean, if you tell everyone, then they can just get Right, like some sort of, like some sort of guidance, right? If you tell everyone, then they can game it, right? That's the problem. Right. But yeah, I think you should tell at least when you make the airdrop, you should say what the criteria was. So even if it's mm. retrospective, 
so that you can at least know, oh, I missed out by five cents or whatever it is. Right. I don't know. I think the concept of airdrops are so fascinating. I almost don't think that there should be any announcement. There shouldn't be an explanation of where it came from. Part of the point of an airdrop, my understanding is, for proof of stake chains is to get liquidity away so that the SEC has less of a claim or or some entity has less of a claim of it being um, a security, right? Like you're trying to distribute it. That way the market can kind of make itself. And so are people entitled to an answer for where this airdrop came from that they were like, why, why should they justify every single ounce of support for like the airdrop that they useful. gave? I think it's useful for community building. I think the community, I, I suppose that's the problem though, is cultures start to build up. So we're used to transparency about what these things are. So people expect it. And then if you don't do it, the team gets shit. Um, but I think it's interesting because there's no actual reason, like Levana isn't a proof of stake token, right? It's just a token. Um, doesn't do, right. it literally does nothing right now. It, it is just as much use as um, Cerberus or Puppy or Newt, um, all of which are, uh, you know. Uh, hold, hold on now. You can't be throwing shade at Newt right now, all right? I have I, a financially I'm, vested interest in the success of Newt. <laughs> so you can hold <laughs> off on that. I mean, I, 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 I love Newt too, but that, but what I'm saying is, is Levana is doing, Levana is just a meme coin right now. It doesn't secure a chain. It doesn't give you revenue. You can't vote. It gives you nothing. There's the future possibility of governance and other stuff after that. But, you know, Newt's going to do far more than that. That's, it's going to secure the hub as far as I can tell. (laughs) Is that the next step? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I thought that Levana actually was um, going to do revenue sharing in it. If not, then I guess kind of what's what's, what's well, the I point? Well, I think that's what they're saying they're going to do, but they they aren't like the, there's nowhere for me to stake right now unless I've missed it. There's nowhere for me to stake my Levana to earn revenue, and there's no governance that's going to enforce that. So at least, like when Stride launched, if you remember, everyone was. Um, shitty about it because it's just another farming token. Everyone's just going to mm-hmm. dump it. Da, da 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 da. And actually, what happened is governance passed a proposal that went, "See that money that goes to the foundation? Just could you direct that over to stakers?" And that's what happened because that was governance, right? But if you don't turn governance on, the community can't take the money away from your foundation, and you can keep telling them that you're going to give them revenue in the future. Um, it's a cunning, cunning plan. I'm, uh, look, I'm, I'm fudding a bit there, but like they haven't worked it out yet. They were that seemed quite clear from the spaces I listened to. They don't know what they're doing in the like immediate steps. They have a plan, but they haven't worked out what the steps to that dance are yet. I mean, that's the way to do it, right? Like that—that that was the entire NFT craze of 2021. Is you say, hey, we're going to mint these NFTs, and in these these NFTs, they're gonna you're gonna play games with them. You are going to look at them in the metaverse, but listen, you can't do that right now. That's this is this is like six years down the line. Just mint the next NFT series that comes out next, and then once that happens, okay, we'll just mint the next one. That seems yeah, a bit funny I mean, as well. I'm not the, I'm not that quite that jaded. I'm just drawing parallels. The, the, the thing the thing the thing here is is that what I suppose I am saying is don't buy Levana, buy Newt because Lavender Five's future 
hinges on it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> from my point of view, as I delegate a lot of stuff to Lavender 5, I want them to have more twinkly lights on their on their hardware. Full circle, baby. All comes That's back right. around to more twinkly lights on the hardware. That means more newt. Yes. It's called it's called game of newt for a reason. <laughs> That's right. Um but I think it's interesting actually because Newt got a lot of FUD for launching in the way that it did, which was there's just a load of Newt in an LP. Mm-hmm. No airdrop, no no nothing. Just buy it if you like it. And obviously that's really different from the way that the majority of tokens in Cosmos are distributed. And so uh, Golden Ratio Staking is getting a load of uh, abuse for being a whale who's going to dump on everyone and, you know, rug them for however much their stack of newt is worth. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was one of the things they, you know, they published a rich list of all the big wallets that had all of these huge numbers of tokens, but they included things like the tokens that are in the LP and the tokens that are in the IBC addresses, because the people posting the list haven't got a clue what a, what that list actually means. So they've just posted a list of stuff and gone, um, it's my favorite kind of FUD is the FUD with zero evidence. It's the same as the people saying that it was the Lavana foundation, like five minutes research is before you post that solves that problem for you. I I saw that that um, that complaint as well. With Newt, that it had no airdrop, it was just stick in the LP, and then who wants to buy it? Buy it. I like it. I'm fond of that. I think that's awesome. Now, I think the big downside of that, of course, is that you know whoever makes it is going to go. Oh, I put it in the LP, and then I bought a thousand dollars worth, and that thousand dollars because it was worth basically nothing originally. Now you have like ten million coins or whatever, right? That's right. lame. But otherwise, this kind of makes turns it into an organic price discovery. Well, I think also, like, I mean, again, it's, you know, but I think the person, as far as I understand it, I think it was $8,000 worth of Atom or something. They they burnt, they burnt their LP shares, right? So that person's already invested an amount of money. I don't see why they shouldn't see some upside on that. I think the challenge with a lot of this is about, are you as the person that creates that meme coin and the people that get in early and the community as a whole, able to have fun and not rug your fun uh because yeah you could you can do it and people did this on algorand uh because uh during the bull run there was this really easy ui that allowed you to mint a shit coin distribute it uh set up an lp do all this stuff and it was like five button clicks it was brilliant but essentially it was just a way for people with the best shitcoin name and a bit of liquidity to make real tokens off their shitcoin. Um, excellent, excellent thing. And I guess the project that had the, you know, the minty button probably made a bit of money off that. But if you actually want this to be a fun thing, then you're not, the, even if you get in early, you're not going to just dump on the community because otherwise the fun thing is over. And I think that's right. what what's been interesting for me is the fact that the idea that you could have fun and make profit in cosmos seemed to bring a lot of new users and volume to astroport to the point where it needed more blinky lights on its hardware right it certainly has need a lot of blinky lights on its hardware yeah yeah i know i kind of feel bad for what no go ahead honestly i kind of feel bad because i was i was in the the new telegram pretty early on and i was throwing them shade because they were 
like going down. I was like, listen, I've got all these notes backed up. Just, just point it at my hardware for a while and like, it'll be fine. Yeah. And so for a couple of days they were like, no, no, we got this bolted down. We're good. But yeah, I, I threw them quite a bit of shade for that. <laughs> like I have nodes. I've got an array of nodes that you can point at. It'll work fine. You don't need to use poop public stuff, but well, not I guess better. They, I'm just, go ahead. I guess they were, well, they were, I think they were using, they had their own nodes initially. And then, um, and then in the bear, like it was expensive nodes. Right. So, so I understand that they wanted to go public or at least, or at least I think it was probably a mix of different types of node structures that were supplying that data. Um, but just recently, so we, we took over some master report um, traffic this week. And um, even in the last, like, like literally the last two days is really what it started. Um, but yesterday on the 18th, I guess it was Wednesday or I'm sorry, Monday night. Um, so Monday night, like even on injective, um, they, were, they were doing a lot of catch up because the balance, the indexers were catching up and things like that. And like, we were still getting 20, like 2000 to 4,000 requests a second um, on injective and, you know, another, another um, six or 700 on different chains. And then today, which was fine, like everything was great. Like things were catching up and then, and then say had some, is there some meme stuff going on in say today too, or yesterday? Uh, say has inscriptions right now going on oh that there's something else i think there's something else on astroport too with say um because we we better mm, know we provide some endpoints there and then there was a huge amount of say traffic for a little bit too and then today on astroport we <laughs> we started to feel that the real wrath of 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 shit coins um so like on injective it went from which was totally fine like two three four thousand a second and we had a couple spikes of eight and 11,000 transactions a second or any 11,000 requests a second and injective does not do well with that. Um, so with a, with a small handful of nodes at 11,000, like they were struggling. So we set up another one today and then, and then I guess it was also a, a significant amount of requests coming from a specific region. And so the astroport teams to put a little bit of, a little bit of breaks on a specific region that was like overly doing requests. Um, and so that really helped out. And so now, now we're sitting right here, actually, as we're talking, it's at 7,800 a second. And I have some breaks built in on the back end to like, just so at the point where the no doesn't shit the bed, um, which it, it was like, it was like, it would just, it would just give it up. I mean, you know that too, right? They would just stop responding. It would just sit there and it would, it would, it wouldn't move the blocks any forward. It would, it wouldn't respond to anything. It wouldn't even say that it wasn't sinking anymore. It would just like, and so, um, so yeah, so that was fun. So that was kind of a firefight this morning because we were, I think like, literally I was restarting nodes like crazy trying to get them to to stay at least close to the head. And and um, and we had a couple of times when they're, all of them were down at the same time for like 30 seconds. So it was ugly for a couple of times today, but now it's actually starting to lay down. And then, but also I think the other thing I know that team's working on is that it, right now it's not a very efficient um, site. Like there's a lot of requests per page view where um, where there's, there's a lot of things there to like move that away from straight RPC calls and sense over GRPC, which is, you know, obviously a little bit less taxing um, and less open ports and that kind of stuff and, and uh, or open um, connections. And then, and I think just the efficiency of, you know, using indexes more for when you can use those types of things and, and what can come out of the backend versus what can come out of the client. So, yeah. So anyway, 11,000 injective RPC requests a second is just too much. Like it's just, like you can't have that's so, like that's like five or six nodes to actually make that thing deal with it, and that's just too much. So if the actual bull market came back, you know, 
tomorrow, mm-hmm. how screwed would all of Cosmos's infrastructure be? Because I assume everyone has scaled down, right? Like what you're describing with Astroport. They've scaled mm-hmm. down for the bear, save money, very sensible. Mm-hmm. If everyone suddenly went, wow, this is shit, and, you know, we we saw the meme coin season times three happening, mm-hmm. how, screw, how screwed would we be? I, I mean, I don't know. You, I mean, Schultz can answer this too. I think you'd have some you'd have some not great user experiences for a short period of time and how fast those teams react to that and understand it. I think you can solve that problem pretty quick. Um, like this stuff today, I mean, stuff, the, like this injective stuff, I mean, it, it's ugly this morning, but that, I mean, that was for a very good, a reason that I think is very solvable. Um, and trying to separate what's good traffic from bad traffic, I think also helps. Um, so I think the other piece, I, we were talking about this with the, it's not only just that, but it's also like liquidity makes a big deal here too. Cause like that stargaze stuff that was going on with people buying bad kids. I think you probably saw a bunch of stories on Twitter this week. And and that wasn't infrastructure based. That was purely like, you know, we, I transferred in this much ETH and it, and we had a huge amount of slippage or something else happened. Cause there was enough liquidity in the pools. Like all those types of things kind of happened too. Right. So I don't know. I, it depends on also, also I think some of the stuff, the other thing is like, like each of these sites I think is quite different in terms of efficiency. Right. And not, it's just because just because it was 11,000 RPC requests to injective today, doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that that's, that's probably only five, 600 concurrent users. So, so at 500 users, it's not a big deal. Right. And so this is just an, like this, this is just a blockchain is a really inefficient database and it's a, and it's a poor solution for these types of things. And so, there has to be a balance of like showing data that's slightly old because it's indexed and cached versus literally hitting hundreds of contracts 43 times in every single pull request, every single page view, right? Like it's just not, there has to be, there has to be a balance between those. And some of that data has to be real time. And I get that, but some of that stuff, like yeah, there has to be better solutions for that, right? Or smarter ar- architectures for that. Yeah. Um, to, to answer your question a little bit as well around what it'll look like for, um, for, for people that, if, if the nowhere hardware can't keep up secret, I think is a really good example of this um, secret. I think was really set up to be very successful early on. Um, and what ended up happening was NFTs started to become big and secret NFTs are actually really cool because there's all sorts of metadata and stuff you can hide um, because you know, they're all encrypted and everything. So you can, you like, you can choose what's available to see and what's not, but anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, so when these mints started happening, all minting was happening behind five nodes provided by a, a node provider and it would go down inevitably in, in just like a minute. And then it would take them 12, 16, 20 hours to get it back up and then immediately go down again. And so if I remember early on, there were tens of thousands of users are secret in, in 2021 and after every single NFT mint, you would see just a colossal drop off of users because they'd be like, hey, I got on this. I'm all excited about this mint and I can't actually do it because the infrastructure is too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was unfortunate because the, the provider that was was giving the nodes or was being paid for the for the nodes, they just wouldn't scale up. They they were kind of unresponsive. And that's just not going to happen if 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 one of our teams that are actually like supporting hardware is involved, right? Like if I start seeing a bunch of 503s pop up, even though my, even though the person that I'm, you know, providing notes for 
might not be paying more. Like I'm going to do something to at least make it more efficient to make it work. Like I'm trying to provide a good product. Um, this sounds like I'm kind of throwing some shade at the provider that was doing it. And I kind of am, but I'm not going to name names. Uh, but it's a great example of what will happen. I, I if, would, if we don't, I would much prefer it if you did name names. I think this, you know, let's have let's have a culture of transparency for people that do a shitty job, because like, because the problem is is that, and, and this is the thing, right? For you, this is a professional thing. You don't want to throw shade at people. Fair, but for me, I remember secret is so shit it can't mint NFTs, and that damages mm-hmm. everyone. That damages every project on secret. It damages every token holder on secret. And that's because someone's running five nodes. They can't be bothered to upgrade. And I think after getting paid $100,000. That, and this is the thing where like, I'm not huge for professionally flaming people, but I also think that is this like, if you are in a position of, responsibility then you have to deal with the consequences of when you are in dereliction of your duty and i think that that's probably unfair to then just say that you as a competitor should out them but i think that's a where a space where the foundation the protocol whoever it is needs to step up and actually say this supplier has let us down and i think that's very difficult um, and I've been in that position in the in the real world off chain, but in that position, ultimately, that's me- relatively private. The problem on blockchains is, as I say, every single person that has a secret token suffers because that person or that company isn't doing a good job as a provider. So wh- I used to work uh, in concerts and ticketing and that kind of stuff. And obviously, as you know, you'll have all tried to buy tickets to gigs where the website crashes, right? You know, um, that's completely normal, but like there's only so much you can scale up your website to cope with uh, Taylor Swift for about an hour and the rest of the time you don't need it. So mm-hmm. like, so that's really awkward and you have, frank and open conversations but ultimately you don't throw anyone on the bus under the bus afterwards because you all know it's hard like that's fair but there's no long-term damage or if there is that's when you do start to see the names of the companies involved because an artist like taylor swift like the incident that happened with ticketmaster she does not want that reputational damage coming on her so artist management speak to the promoters the promoters speak to all the ticketing providers and they just throw them under the bus and that's kind of the price well, you pay, right? But I think this look. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. To add what no, you're I, saying, I, I, uh, I was I'll, I'll definitely give. Okay, I'll, I'll give Kepler some props here because early on, I don't think most people understood kind of how Kepler worked. Um, you know, Kepler is an interface basically for for the RPCs, right? That's all it is. It's a wallet, um, and people understand that. But a lot a lot of people kind of think that, or I would say that most people think that Kepler. Um, for, for secret, they thought that Kepler was running the nodes. And so Kepler got so much flack for whenever the nodes would go out of sync, right? Um, and they were always very gracious about it. Like, hey, they never they never named names, even though like I checked their, their GitHub and like I could see that they knew who it was and everything. Um, I don't know. So I guess it's an example of it, Kepler was always very gracious about like things going down. They're like, hey, it's out of our control. But then I don't, as far as more, they never named names. And I think there's a balance, right? Like you have to be professional, 
but I think there are, the example you're talking about where it starts to damage the reputation of a whole load of associated stuff is much harder. And I think it's really difficult if you're a L1. So if the poor performance of Astroport starts to damage people's perception of Neutron, as Neutron, would you start to be, like, that's concerning for you, right? You can't control what RPCs these guys are, you know, what nodes these guys are using, what they're connecting to, and who they're being supplied by. But it's having brand damage to you. And I think that's one of the really interesting structural challenges of blockchains compared to what I'm describing in the kind of Web2 world, where it's just like, well, I employ these people, they employ their subcontractors, and that's it. Like, that isn't kind of how we work. The reputational damage can spread out quite quickly to all sorts of other things. You know, uh, slippage on stars is too high, Cosmos is shit. Mm-hmm. While we're talking, uh, we're back up to 11,000 transactions a second. <laughs> Request a second. So I'm just watching these nodes. Aye. They're holding on, though. Doing a little bit of secret shit. I'm just I'm just queuing requests is all I'm doing, which I think is the best I can do. It's just when that request comes in from the client, just hold on to it until it it there's a open slot, and then be able to pass that along to a backend. Because the whole goal in this in these I mean these nodes these nodes are not I don't think they're really architected for really high RPC usage. Like I, I could think we probably say the same thing on on any web or any blockchain node. I can't think of maybe. I mean, I don't even know, Schultz, if you can think of one. I can't think of one that like is architected around as like a web server handling 20,000 requests a second, right? Like that doesn't oh, exist. You know that I'm going to take any opportunity I can to be an absolute stand for Near. Near did inscrip- inscriptions recently. We yeah. didn't even realize because they handle it so well. Mm. So they had an insane amount of transactions running for like three days straight. Didn't even realize. I mean, I think we... Was- that that's pretty good because we saw it on Aptos like the same thing right because even the the we saw the the um, full node struggling with the amount of API calls and those were even that wasn't that much it was like a couple hundred a second coming in in each node right and it was struggling mm-hmm. um, although I'm not sure if that much of it was API based but right now like I, other things we've seen on like Stargaze we've seen more um, but I think block time has a big thing to do too I saw Reese comment in the in the structure around caching the request that it's some of these are just not cacheable. I mean, this is a, you have a blockchain with 600 millisecond block times that are calling Wasm contract calls. Like that, that, that is a very difficult response to be able to cache in any sort of realistic perspective, especially since you have a wide variety of contract calls that are being happening. And I don't have the metrics in terms of what that repeatability is in there. And there might be some in there, um, but it's not massive. So I think, I mean, caching this in a, in a, and maybe we, in, what we've been told is like that that data needs to be 100% up to date on the latest block, which again, we can make a decision on whether how much that really needs to have happen. Or if, if that can be cash for 10 seconds or something similar to that, it's very easy to be able to do. Um, so, so, but up to this point we haven't. So that's, I think that might be working with that team to architect what's, what's kind of next, but whether that's front end or whether that's back end, um, I would rather have it be front end to be honest. I would push back a little bit there. I think there's quite a bit that could be cached. Um, so I don't I don't know what Astroport is using, but I know that um, the Python API, mm-hmm. anything you do has, I think, five, four or five transactions with it. And the first two are always exactly the same. The first one's always, ch- it checks the status of the node, and then there's something else. And those are things that I think 
probably should be cached. Like if it's on a per like per block basis, thousands of people, then mm-hmm. it's like if it's just checking the status endpoint, then who cares? Like oh, it, no, it, it probably no, doesn't actually mean anything. Right. Yeah. So that would yeah. that would be twenty percent kicked off right off the top. Um I don't know. Not that I'm pushing back and saying you're wrong, just that I think that there is a lot of cash because there's a lot of inefficiencies. Cause I got kind of deep into this early on whenever I was I started writing the back end for Lavender Five and I was like, how am I rate limiting myself? And I looked mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, because this doesn't make any sense. That's why. All right, got it. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, none of these are like status hits. There's none of that. None of that's in here. This is all contract balances. Um, okay, interesting. That that's quite different. Though. Yeah, there's. And they're probably using Cosm JS or something, which is more efficient. Cosmify. Yeah. Not to throw too much shade at it. It's simply not used as frequently, and so it doesn't have the same resources. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a that's a it's a good question. So, um, anyway, I think now that now that these numbers are. Uh, not going down and maybe they will over time. And actually these like this, everything here is holding on. Like it's not that big of a, I mean, it's not awful. Um, it's just it, like, I think the, the binary just depending on what, what's actually being in, what's actually being pulled. Um, you can kind of see, you can see some of these nodes struggling after a period of time when, when they're just under that amount of stress for that long, um, with those maybe more complicated calls that are coming in. So, um, yeah, I think there's, it's- Right now, it's a little bit brute force, and I think over time it'll get it'll get better. It seems like there is a, something of a like an inverse correlation of block speed to how much act, act, each actual node can handle. Mm-hmm. Like, say, it doesn't seem like it can handle a lot of input per node, from what I could tell. Like, it does great; it goes fast and everything. But it seems like Stargaze handles attention, node attention better than, than say nodes do, if that makes sense. They require more, more requests per second for, for Stargaze than it does for say. I think it might be inverse to block time a little bit. So like it takes longer to process or because it's expected to take less time to process it. Or more, it, or, or more blocks. I mean, it, it's not like it has a, a, it's not a snapshot of the whole chain in time, right? Or maybe more blocks to be able to create the output or I don't know exactly how that is, but it seems like they're somehow related there. Or maybe the nodes is too busy dealing with P2P and all this other shit, right? Um, and then it then it has time for in terms of producing the result that's required. But um, but yeah, I definitely I, w- I, w- I agree with you. Like over time, uh, faster block time and uh, does does seem to limit the, the just the, the pure number. Although on say, actually, I mean, actually these numbers are higher than say, so I can't really talk about it. Say, uh, say I think we've, we usually structure like two or 3000 a second. Um, which is still, I mean, honestly, it's a decent amount of traffic. Like it's, it's a lot of data. So I, right now I'm just, I'm just taking a look and see as long as the nodes are staying active, which they are, they're, they're right at the top within, I mean, I'm just, I'm just watching the head here and they're all within two blocks and I'm updating every two seconds. So it seems like they're fine. And I, I am, I am stalling some requests out. Um, so I just, I basically limit how many connections per node um, concurrently. And then depending on, it's weird because it's like 400 connections per node. It can't have more than 400 actual TCP connections per node. Actually, times two, it's 800 per node. And that equates to about 2,000 to 3,000 requests a second because the requests are obviously... Um, why, why is it times two? Uh, I'm sorry, because I, I have two balancers. Sorry. Got I'm it. limiting okay. each balancer. Like- so each, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> a little inside baseball there. Yeah, sorry. Two balancers, so each of those is each of those is cut in half. So yes, that's right. Sorry about that. Yeah, I have so anyway. 100% glazed over at this point. Like, sorry, 
you can no this this is why me coming on a validators podcast is no use because like i know all the other stuff but the actual bits of like how the blinky lights work is uh you know gobbledygook to me but you know um i'm sure if frey and null were here they would just they would think, be very just, excited just think of a really inefficient global database with ton, with like tons of issues that's sounds like that. mutable sounds like that's that. that, that can't be changed sounds like the future <laughs> that can't be changed. That requires a lot more power. <laughs> like nodes everywhere. Like, and it's significantly slower. <laughs> significantly slower. And, and actually dirty has secret a, a, for a lot of, these. of trust assumptions. <laughs> yeah. The dirty uh, secret for a lot of these is a lot of these apps will be running with like Postgres in the background. It's like, Shh, don't say anything. So like if you hear like someone's using an indexer, yeah, they're probably using postgres or something yeah, there, which is yeah. you know an actual reasonable database rather than i mean that's what i'm doing that's what i do with my back end is i consume the database and then i put it into postgres so i can consume it faster that's right that's what index are that's what they are i mean honestly like if you actually think of the actual web hits here like these numbers are nothing like these are these are like these are these are nothing right um but the amount of power that requires to actually get that data to return it um compared to other methods is you know whatever but it is you know it's on chain it's right there. It's just a matter of, I guess it goes back to, back to the UI and back to the front end. Like the, it's not just, it, it has to be more than just throwing requests at a, at a backend. Like it has to be some engineering there and trying to really identify what's important, what's not, which, which going back to Stargaze, not to keep bringing them up, but like kudos to that team. Cause like Jorge and that team, they have done so much work over the time we've been working together the last three years that the number of requests that even our nodes see, like we've, we've continued to lose, to remove nodes from the balancers because it is so efficient that it requires less and less hardware to be able to keep that that site common. And that's that's really a testament to them, right? Stargaze strikes me as like when I asked the question about like how bad will it be when the bull market comes in terms of infrastructure, Stargaze strikes me as an outsider. Like yeah, I remember like it occasionally had issues, but for the most part, like super popular mint, fine, mm-hmm. not a problem. Can cope. Uh, it, 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 the problems for Stargaze are all around liquidity, right? So yes. um, I was yeah. listening to a friend of the podcast, Rama, was uh, he's got a prop up or coming on chain very soon for this liquidity DAO for Stargaze where they're going to take some of the community pool and use it as kind of protocol-owned liquidity to deepen the uh, pools on various chains. Um and you know that that seems like more of an issue for how Stargaze will perform in the you know bull than mm-hmm. actually how the tech will hold up. The tech seems very robust, but I don't like. I was talking to him about uh, when after the filter minted, mm-hmm. I think they sort of went, oh, the mint price will be like thirty bucks or something, and probably by the time the mint rolled round, the mint price was like forty five bucks, and. That's one of those things where people are excited. They're buying the token. The token price is going up. Token price comes straight back down after the mint, right? Because everyone's selling. Right. right. But, and there's not a lot of reason to hold stars other than in those moments. Right. But it shouldn't be that a one collection moves the price that much that a team can't plan what price they want to launch at it roughly. You know, obviously things fluctuate, but for it to go up 50% or something like that, it's just not, it's not helpful to the team when they're trying to plan. So I think, but I think like actually tech wise, it looks like stars has no obvious, you know, like it's held up to anything that's been popular. Yeah. Yeah. It's done pretty well. Like I think again, back to that team, like we our weekly months 
jumped to only about maybe two or 3,000 requests a second, um, which is not that big of a deal. And then just recently, we brought all the image manipulation in-house, which has been really cool. Um, so they, they used to use a, a third-party site for that that would pull data out of like IPFS and then it would restructure that for different sizes. But that now that's all internally within our infrastructure, which is really cool. Um, oh, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, happened. we pulled all that in. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so that that's using a so so if there's like a new so if you actually go to the site um, and bring up any collection and you'll see like you'll see some images that like fuzzy load that's all Vercel doing that um, but those images are being served off of the Stargaze array the array that we built um, and then those get cached within Cloudflare and distributed globally and those types of things so um, it's that's something Stargaze dot zone in case anyone yeah, is listening that's right exactly <laughs> if you haven't yet minted something. Um, so that that's really good to be in sight. So really, like right now, there's no part of this infrastructure, I think, that's not um, within the team, including the indexers, obviously constellations uh, through Penso, um, all the images, IPFS, uh, all the RPC, and everything else is all internally. Um, and then obviously the, with uh, and all the stuff with going on with swaps and all that other kind of things, those services keep growing, right? And that's all using the same kind of baseline. So. I would agree with you. Like that, that infrastructure that, that that team has built has been has been awesome. Like, there's it's just a really well engineered thing. And the site, I think the site is actually really fast. Um, it's uh, very responsive. The images are are very responsive now. Um, where in the past, those things took a little bit longer. Um, everything's edge, like it's all cached locally, and you know, and there's there's a lot of data on the site too. Like, if you look at it, there's just like each go to a, I mean, you go to like a collection page, there's like a shitload of data, right? You have all these prices and when it was listed and when it listed for, and like, you know, all the filter on the metadata and the images themselves, there's just a shitload there. So, uh, I mean, that's all the front end team doing all that work, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So I don't know. The Stargaze conversations, uh, again, going like circling back around to, to, to secret just for a little bit, the conversation around Stargaze, I think is really interesting because me, I'm going to post a link to stash in the chat. Stash was Secret's big um, NFT playground, right? And yeah. it has a lot of really cool features. And by rights, it it should it like Secret should have just skyrocketed with with how cool this site. What well, less so now was like now they require email to sign up and a couple other things. And so I understand why they would do that. But this is just such an, this is this this is a great example of going like coming full circle of Stargaze has always operated really well. They, I'm pretty sure they launched after Secret's NFT marketplace, right? If Secret had done well, why would Stargaze have, like, it shouldn't, nothing should have happened with Stargaze. But Stargaze was always really reliable. It, it always had a good user experience. And so people stayed there and they continue minting there. It continues usage. Stash, can't say the same. Yeah, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I just it up. Well, I, I remember <laughs> there <you> the, because <laughs> there was the Tarantino NFT, right? Like, this was, like, when, that was, on, was that on Stash? Was that Stash? That was on Stash. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I, like that was like huge news, and I, I remember thinking, "Oh shit, Secrets absolutely going to explode. It's going to be the only NF place for NFTs because the ability to do these kind of like hidden metadata, and then you can share who can you can choose who can see it, and the kind of that kind of model for collective ownership of NFTs and stuff like that. And and all of these really interesting things you can do when you have privacy. And then somehow it was a huge fumble, right? And like, 
but you know, you you land the single most iconic film director of all time, I would argue, and you don't make money. I, I like I, I, it's breathtaking, yeah. and also and also to the point where they don't even they they did one. I think he was signed up to two. And they just canned the second one because it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, the bids weren't high enough, right? Mm. Like no one, no well, one wanted it. That was, or not it, high, not a high enough one, price. It sold for one and a half million, if I remember correctly. So it's pretty decent, but it's the experience a lot of, just, a lot of, but he, but to be fair, he could have sold that at a real auction in real life for a lot more. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. at the time, the NFT, and at the time, the NFT market was crazily overheated. And I suspect had it gone, had there been an equivalent version on Ethereum, it, he'd have done 10 times that amount, right? Like it's just that, you know, it was a Cosmos chain. That wasn't great. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I, I think this is the, the, the problem is, is that like, I think this is my fear about the bull market. It's like, are we really ready? And like, certainly one of the conversations that I had a lot during my stint at AADAO, uh, which I do like to mention from time to time, uh, was was around bull market preparedness. It's like, w- who is producing the content that's going to help us onboard new users? Who is producing those guides? Who is producing these things? Who is providing the infrastructure? How is How are we abstracting away IBC so that when you decide you want to come into Cosmos, you don't have to figure out how the flip to get your tokens over these places. Like yeah. it's an app. IBC is wonderful, but it is probably also our biggest barrier to adoption yeah, because sure. people think of bridges in a completely different way to the way that IBC is. Um, universal gas tokens, right? Uh, probably one of the more controversial takes in the interchain because every to- chain will want their token to be the gas token because that's a use case and da, 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 da. Awful, awful, awful user experience. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, um, wallets are working on this kind of thing. Some chains are doing bits, you know, osmosis has this bit that plugs into their, their decks where you can pay with any token. Uh, we, well, I say we, but it, it, Robo Magobo got that onto the hub. Uh, we advocated for it and basically were like, yes, this, this is what everyone should be doing because it makes better user experience regardless of which Dex gets the volume because I think we got a bit of pushback and they were like, it should be Astroport. It's like, Astroport need to build the code then. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. waiting for perfect when it's about user experience. User experience just has to be better than it is today. Um, and I hope, you know, I hope that that's what my ex-colleagues will continue to push for is like better user experience and being user focused rather than being token focused. App, like allow the app developers, chain developers to worry about the tokenomics of what they're doing and things like that harder on the hub because there isn't anyone actually in charge. But in the wider area of Cosmos, my big thing is if you're issuing grants, what you really, really need to be doing is pushing everyone to make UX better and not just better than it is today, but better than it needs to be today. Because in three months' time, you're not going to be able to ship the updates you need to catch up. Like, no one uses something in Web 2 and goes, oh, well, I'll come back to that in a few months once they've got it working. That product dies. And, like, no one's willing to sacrifice that to go and use a 
bigger, slower, less usable thing today. So why should that be the same in blockchain? You know, I, I, I totally agree. The the noble USD thing, the USDC um, experience has really surprised me. Uh, not the experience, that's not rephrasing. How much has flowed into the ecosystem? Um, I didn't realize that Cosmos's ecosystem was as a, was bigger than than so many other ones like Arbitrum, right? The fact that there's more US native USDC in the Cosmos ecosystem right now than in almost every other completely floors me. And that's that's not even including you know Axlar USDC, which is where most of the USDC still is. It's 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 out. It's crazy to me, which means that we need to be. You're right. We need to be ready like three days ago. Yeah. And like, you know, the Noble team uh, don't get as half as much credit as what they should get. And, you know, equally, the wider team that were involved in the onboarding of DYDX, because, and this is where it's really interesting, DYDX are such a user experience focused team that they forced, like, if Cosmos wanted them, Cosmos had to up its user experience in order to make it happen. And that's fascinating to me is that like, if you want this golden, like, and that's when Cosmos learned that lesson where you've got OGs suddenly turning their attention to these problems rather than worrying about particularly fancy forms of cryptography. Uh, can't say it, too many Baileys. Um, but it, it's just that thing where it's like getting back down to a user level and having a product that people really want and solving for that it needs to drive stuff. I used Noble USDC properly to off-ramp for the first time today. And it was bloody brilliant. Like I just, uh, super seamless experience, lower fees on my centralized exchange than if I'd have had to bring Atom into there. So I saved myself a few pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, like great from my point of view and the few pence that it cost me in terms of some revenue to to Noble as the kind of, with the way that their routing works, didn't didn't touch the sides compared to what I saved. Oh yeah, versus bridge fees and those types of things. You mean? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, it, it, or even if I'd have done it, even if I'd have, even if I'd have just done it in Atom, right? Because that's how oh, I yeah, used to have yeah. to do do it. Where you, I'd yeah. swap things to Atom, and then I would just send, and then selling, and then I would sell that token on the de- on the set centralized exchange. Right. There's no there's no selling cost to There's USDC not. online. Yep. So. Yeah, and even in or transfer cost, even if it was coming out of the out of the CEX, he would me might have some. Um and those types of things. But yeah, I know we 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 always talked about like what's the new hub and like and that idea of being able to bridge USDC without fees across any of these type structures is a huge fucking advantage. Huge, right? Like it's a total walled garden situation where like people wouldn't like that. Like I don't necessarily like it because it, you know, it's very quote unquote centralized from a single chain and all that or a single, a single asset. And there's risk associated with that asset and it puts in like false securities associated. I totally agree. But from a user experience perspective, it's fucking great. Right. So. And, and I thought that, you know, so their current business model where they, they charge a few, few points on the uh, IBC transfers and they're all, all Mm -hmm. your, so even if you're moving your noble from, osmosis to neutron it Mm -hmm. actually roots via noble and it charges you that way you can't root directly except that obviously you can because ibc is permissionless but and it was interesting because i asked them this and i was like well why why would anyone pay you and they were like well why wouldn't you 
ultimately why would you go like some decks eventually will set up a thing and it will just cut us out fine but like yeah. who like in terms of the network effects you're going to have a different version of the token all of those problems that we have with ibc in general and i think that actually when we talk about the hub uh that's really what the hub should have been is to go all of these user all of these use case problems that we have with tokens are solved by routing where you just route via another mm-hmm. thing. So packet forward middleware and all of these things has been fantastic because it means that this mess that IBC will become in its current model, if you have 10,000 IBC chains and everything has to talk to everything, that's just absolute chaos, right? Yeah. If you actually start to put more sensible structures in place and you go, yeah, that's going to cost fractions of a token, to move it, you know, as an additional bit, there should be something in there for relayers as well. Like that, it becomes a more obvious relayer thing. And one of my frustrations is everyone goes, oh, well, that's not how it works. As if it working badly today means we shouldn't yeah. try to change it or just go, you know what? Yeah, we're going to leave all, we're going to leave and support all of these old channels. They'll continue to work as they are. But if we genuinely believe there's going to be 10,000 chains, what does it matter what the first 50 or 100 did? Right. They're meaningless yeah, exactly. in terms right. of scale. Right. Like it really, what right. precedent is, is nonsense here. And right. we need to come up with structures that are more efficient and workable. I'll I think push back a little bit here. Um, I don't think the Cosmos could handle even the current amount of traffic that's in IBC, right? And that becomes such a liability where if someone attacks Cosmos, you take down the entire what would effectively become the economic zone that that puts a lot of fear in me. I think that the way we're currently doing it isn't awesome because of how convoluted it is. But if we only had one single hub that manages so much traffic, oh, oh. Uh, but, then, <laughs> but I think, but I think that you could have you could have alternatives, right? Like I'm not saying that you just have one. I think that you could totally have different hub, like different hubs. That was the whole vision of the original model, right? Mm-hmm. But this is the thing: is IBC was designed to work with the original model, and then we haven't delivered the original model, but expect IBC to work. And that's my problem: is like the hub should have done hub relaying, and I think it should still do that. But I also think that if really if you're osmosis. You probably have, there's an argument for why you, why wouldn't you do it? You're a DEX. Everyone's going to be moving their tokens in and out of you anyway. Just make it part of the feature you offer, right? Like, and then you can compete on price and relayers can do different things and you can actually create markets around this. And then you will decide what, what works and how we balance security risk against economics. So I'm not dismissing what you're saying, Shotzi, but I, I feel like what we, what we're doing at the moment is we're at like, we've done, half of the step and then we can't work out why it doesn't work because what we've done is as typically we've done the hard technical bit and then we've just given up or we've moved on to the next interesting technical problem and i think this is really what frustrates me at times in cosmos it's like if it isn't a big hard technical problem there isn't a lot of interest in doing it um and i think that that's where the reputation of cosmos as being like super clever great tech no one actually uses it comes from because actually a lot of the people solving for these problems, that is what they're in. They're not interested in making the chains usable or having volume. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that for sure. I've had several hour plus long meetings with people trying to figure out like the best way you can unwind IBC transactions just to kind of work around the horrible use case of the way IBC tokens function, right? If 
if we had just done the hub system, then we would just know how things work. Well, that that token is assigned here and came through here, done. Rather than, okay, well, it bounced around and how are we going to handle that? And it, um, it would definitely have handled a lot of overhead. What's Josh uh, from Kaplan had this? It, it's on t- um, Twitter. Um, people should look it up, or I might even try and find it and I'll give it to Usurper to point in the show notes. He's got this really mm-hmm. great explanation of why IBC works the way it does in terms of by having the the paths that it's been on, you can know the trust assumptions behind that token. So if there's an exploit on a given chain within the IBC network, you could know if a token comes from somewhere where something dodgy's happened. So for example, let's say on a network, they suddenly come up with the ability to clone the tokens. Um, Rather than the system being awash with forged coins, as it were, you can actually go, well, we're just going to say all of these coins can't be trusted anymore. And you just pass a governance proposal that says it, and you can check it in the code, and it's there. And there's a kind of like... That ability to have that audit trail is really useful because it because it gives you some additional security, but you lose usability because of it. And how that plays out over time will be really interesting because what we haven't really seen is the need for that yet. We haven't had that kind of exploiting Cosmos thus far. I'm sure it will happen um, where we get bogus tokens. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that... Um, it, the, the 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 original thinking was designed to protect us from. And I think, it, it you know, it's easy for Johnny come late least like me to shit on people that did a lot of hard work and a lot of hard thinking early on and say, oh, you came up with something that doesn't work. So I will find the explanation from Josh because it's really, really good and people should read it because if you're worried about the way IBC works, it will just challenge some of the assumptions you make about why is it so shit. Was there anything else Rahman wanted us to talk about? I say Rama because, you know, he's really in charge of the show now, right? That's the way that this has That's actually worked. <laughs> well, he is he is the director. <laughs> is he? Would he be the, would he be the producer? No. God, I, hope I don't know. No, don't say that. <laughs> I think technically he's only the researcher, but but I feel like he exerts the authority of a producer. No, we talked about the, the, all the Astroport and the kind of aping in every, as you said, aping into every goddamn token that exists on Astroport, which is probably... Probably right. And we talked about Levana a little bit. We talked about the node structure associated with those. Yeah, I don't know. Those are all those are all the kind of current highlights, I think. Um well, should we move um, on to, to, to Christmas party kind of stuff? Like, you know, yeah. I guess that sounds know. amazing. If I can get go ahead. No, I, I, just, I wasn't sure whether there was, you know, Schultzy had any sort of Christmas party games lined up or you know, his review of the year, uh, his quiz. Review that he's prepared. of the year. Oh, review of the year. And I have to come up with this on the spot. Oh, no. <laughs> Can't do it. Not happening. <laughs> what? 20, wait, what? Give me, give me 20 words on 2023 for L5. 20 words on 2023 for L5. Um, you know, I don't know if this really counts, but I think that. One thing I'm really proud of for this year is, you know, there at one point there was six of us in Lavender 5, right? Mm-hmm. And now there are three. And one thing that was a crowning achievement of this year is having like clear verticals, having clear responsibilities. And early on, my philosophy as a leader was kind of like, hey, we're all part of this. This is a startup, you know, 
if you want to work on a certain thing, then just work on that. I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I think that's a good idea in theory, but the more that we as a team have grown, the more I've learned that there's, there's a lot to be said about just do, like once someone has decided like what they want to work on, like you, you de- kind of declare that like, okay, you've been working on this. You like working on this. This is your responsibility. Like you own mm-hmm. it. If there's decisions, it's your decision to make and I can help you decide on it or whatever, but this is your decision. And there's a lot of power to be had there. And I'm really proud that this year we've kind of reached the point where we now have our different ownership positions. Um, I, of course, still kind of work in all of them because Lavender 5 kind of, I am the representation of it, but ultimately everyone has a responsibility and it makes us work so much smoother. If there's a question around nodes, then more often than not, people are going to go to James because James is the one managing them a lot of the time. I write like the automation behind them, the monitoring, things like that. But James is the day-to-day. He he knows them better. Like I'm working on the software. Erdman's doing the business stuff. And things just work so smooth. It's so nice to just have that. I think next year you should learn how to count to 20. Well, so I was just kind of rounding a little <laughs> bit. You know what I mean? If you squint a little bit, it was 20. <laughs> That's good, man. It's tough to be able, especially in a small team and things like that. It's a, it's a, I think it's a tough business to kind of work out in terms of delegation and roles or responsibilities because um, it's not only just a because you have a lot of repeatable pieces here in terms of knowledge but but there's a lot of intricacies within those chains right and obviously you guys are getting involved in new things and it's not just a cookie cutter thing over and over which is tough plus you have the time zone issues right and all the other type of thing that fits into that and and just because somebody has expertise in something doesn't mean that they can be available to solve that problem right so you have a lot of overlapping of skill sets it's a tough business to scale, to be honest. Um, and I've always, always, always been like in the past, like where, where it's a, uh, it's always the comment was like every time that you double in terms of employees, that's really becomes like one to two is really hard, right? And two to four is hard, and then they get yeah, then you get to four to eight and things like that. Um, and uh, and kind of getting into those groups because everybody's kind of roles change, and you have a bunch of responsibilities change, and then obviously you guys are getting involved in more different different things. So yeah, that's good. I'm glad you guys are getting to a groove with that. It was tough. That that doubling, it it's true. It going from one to two doesn't sound like a big deal. Like one plus one is is really simple. But it's very, it's suddenly, very difficult. like it is because before you just communicated with yourself, right? If mm-hmm. there was something that needed done, you knew that. Well, I I hadn't done it, therefore it needs doing. Right. However, going from two people now, there's a potential like outlier of hey, you know, I woke up at. 6 a.m. and they're probably not even up yet, but sometimes they get up early. So, hey, I'm, I just have to message him and say, hey, like, did you already do this? Right. Yep. We use Notion for that in order to track, you know, what's been done. Mm-hmm. But even that, that's now an extra piece of software that you have to have in mind to be like, hey, okay, now I need to check the tickets. Has the Zeta chain been upgrade happened yet? Oh, I guess it, it has. I, I just checked the, the status of it. But that's still, that adds, you know, let's say a minute of overhead and that, that adds up. Without being flippant, was it, Harder to double in size or to halve in size? Uh, it's a great question. I, I, I guess there's kind of two aspects of it, right? From an emotional perspective, it was far more difficult to half in size. Um, really, really tough. And now I, I, I operate way more conservatively. Um, yeah. But in terms of delegation responsibilities, 
I'm, I'm far more discerning about what a hiring is for and what need it serves. And so it's, it's kind of more stressful to double in size in that way, but emotionally far more stressful to have far, far more, more stressful. Yeah. You're affecting people's lives. It's always, that's always tough, right? But, but taking on the responsibilities is usually easier. It's just, that's different type of stress, right? Of, yep. yeah, yep. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I've gone through yeah, that I think, too. I think what, I think that's what interests me. I mean, my experience of this year is very different, but this year for like you guys, from a viewer perspective, there were points in this year where like as a viewer, I just want to put my arm around you guys because you could see all sorts of things going on for different ones of you over the course of the bear. That's just like, there were just some weeks where I was like, oh, I really don't even know that I want to tune in because the guys will be suffering. And you know, like that, it, I've still did tune in because I enjoy giving you shit in the chat, but like, it's that thing where, you know, yeah, but, but it's, it's that thing where you kind of go, well, I, the reason that I always advocate that people should watch this show is because it really takes away the kind of moon boy culture, because I think, you know, what Schultz is describing there with that kind of having to try and figure out how to be responsible in terms of, you know, scaling up and scaling down and how few, you know, look, bull runs coming, probably going to scale up again, might need to scale down again in the bear. How you approach that this time around, you've got a bunch of experience in the bank, right? Um, but I think that that's where this kind of program has been really interesting because it's like, it's quite good for just talking about how you assess risk and, and how you manage that emotionally. Because I think a lot of the assumption is, oh, well, you know, you just huddle and you're diamond-handed and if you sell, you're weak or whatever. Like, there's loads of just all of this sort of Twitter nonsense versus mm-hmm. the emotional reality of what this show has uh, shown over this year. And I think that's probably my game of nodes thing is that this year has been a pretty raw one in some ways, you know, more raw than like Prop 16 and the chain halt and all of that kind of stuff, which felt like it happened live on the show, but it felt like it was good times. Whereas mm-hmm. this year's just been like some really, <laughs> really bleak weeks. I think yeah, that's a totally valid take. I think Go that's ahead. fair. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think that that um, our our twenty words this year, I think, similar to not. I guess it the it allowed us to spend some more time on focusing on what's important versus trying to go after everything, which I think was really beneficial for us this year. And I think Betty, your point is right. Like, like um, the focus you to it focuses you on identifying um, where you're going to spend time and, and maybe what is the outcome of that. And then things that are, you know, in the past, you kind of go after anything you could, you could hopefully get, and now you 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 be a little bit more you're a little bit more cautious about those types of things. Um, we were, I mean, I thought we were incredibly lucky this year with some things. Like, and, and that's what this business is, honestly. Like, it's there's a lot of experience in there, and there's a lot of that, and other, like, there's just a shitload of fucking luck in some things, right? Um, and we were lucky last year at the end of last year in 2022, and then this, some of that stuff carried over into this year, and we missed out on a bunch of shit too. So, like, you know, like anything else, like. There's, there's things that we ignored because we didn't think we were going to go anywhere or we just didn't have time or, you know, those types of things. And and then they turn into something great um, that you're not a part of and, you know, whatever, you move on, right? But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's It's been I, this, it's been a pretty raw year, I think, I, especially on Game of Notes, like to your point, like just talking about some of the challenges. And you got to have a sense of humor around it too because otherwise, like what the hell, 
can't sit there and like, you know, like you gotta, you gotta have a sense of humor, especially with people shit talking in the comments. That's like the best part. So it was, it was, a, it was a weird year. It was a very strange year. I think the year started off really strong. Um, and something about it, it just, it felt like everyone started just getting worn down and it, yeah. I, I can't even put my finger on why that is because if I remember correctly, a lot of the market was down further at the beginning of the year than it is now. Right. And so I don't know why, like what happened that caused such a, a bleak perspective for so many people. I think just the time that- too, right? Like it, it, it just, like it just builds. Cause I mean, it's really started what March of last year. Yeah. So terror was last year, right? That was, yeah. that was around April, then. And then April 22 or something. Yeah. But FTX was this year. Mm. So I, th- so I think that that's kind of the thing is that you've had, by the time you're at the end of Q1, Q2 this year, you've already had a year of almost perpetual black swan events. Right. Um, and then if you're me and you've cared about the Cosmos Hub, then you've had things like, uh, I think, Prop 69 rejection, uh, Prop 82 rejection, uh, you know, these big sort of like from my point of view, just taking the wrong direction and not doing things and, you know, a lot of division in the community. And it's mm-hmm. all super draining every time you go through one of those. And, you know, um, yeah. And then, like, it feels like that we're on an upward curve at the moment, I would say, sort of since November. Um, don't think that's got anything to do with anything particularly happening. It's almost like the absence of anything shit happening has just given people a bit of a relief. Um, And obviously there's the, the coming Bitcoin ETF and all of that stuff that's giving people a bit of hope in the, in the future. So there's a bit more euphoria and it makes things a bit easier to deal with because everyone's that little bit nicer, Uh, but I definitely find that uncomfortable. I realized a couple of weeks ago that I definitely preferred the bear market from like I had got psychologically comfortable in that space and I felt far less comfortable with people making money and everyone's being nice. And, you know, I just like, what is, what is this? I don't, I don't know where I stand anymore. Um, I I think I was used to down only. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. And the, the, the bull market really brings a different level of stress, which I don't think a lot of people talk about. Um, I mean, if we, if we, if we come full circle back to game of newts, I put in, you know, a couple hundred dollars at the start. Right. And I had more liquid that I could have put more into. Right. And so I could have gotten more gains if I put more in. I, I, I typically don't think too much along that effect because, okay, whatever. But when the bull market starts hitting, that becomes really tough, really toxic. Like, Hey, I know my friend talked about this two weeks ago and I should have done it. And I didn't, and I didn't for no reason, but I had no good reason why I didn't, but I'd be rich now if I had, you know, bought Shiba, Inu, Doge, Obama, Calypso, whatever. Right. That's, that's my, my, my new story is that I, so I I basically had the flu uh, uh, over the weekend and was in bed and it was nighttime, my time. And I saw something in telegram with someone saying, Hey, new, this new token market cap, 30 K. And I was like, that's going to pop off. I can't be, uh, to use Astroport. I can't be in the UK. So I would have had to have left my bed. Uh, plus you can't use it on your mobile. Uh, so I couldn't be bothered to get my laptop, um, because I didn't want to get out of bed and I could have made 
hundred X, you know, and that's like, there is a stress with that, right? Like I had a friend that was willing to give me a heads up. I didn't take an opportunity. They made some money. I didn't like all of that stuff is stressful. It's more, (laughs) it's more stressful than the slow grind down than I'd had because I'd kind of priced that in. Right. I was like, Oh, well it would just come back up when the bull happens. I'm just going to hold. And I kind of, you know, and I've made sensible decisions. And now what you have to do is like make completely crazy decisions and then figure out when you're meant to sell and when you're not and all of this stuff. And like, yeah, so I think what I'll do over Christmas is I'm just going to write down some numbers on pieces of paper and I'm going to stick to those, whether they're right or wrong, just so that I don't have to think um, when the time comes because I can't trust my emotions. Uh, but it's like, so the Levana airdrop, I sold some of it. I LP'd some of it. I've held some of it in a kind of ratio that I think is conservative because that's what I will do just to preserve my sanity because I'm definitely not going to sit there and go, Oh, if I'd me, I'd have sold or hodled all of it or whatever. Like you just, you can be an absolute terror to yourself in this market. And, yep. yeah, and yeah, you haven't I mean, even another, started yet. Yep. Another great example is Celestia. Um, most of the Lavender 5 team sold the vast majority of our tokens like at $2. We were like, hey, we made profit. This is awesome. Like feeling good. And it crested $15 for a minute there, right? It's mm-hmm. really easy to see that and be like, yeah, we're relayers. We could have, you know, got to like really increase our emergency fund with that. That that thinking is why I own 1 billion Chihuahua. Yeah, <laughs> exactly but why. Ch- but Chihuahua's, Chihuahua's flying at the moment. You should be. I know you it is. Be, it is. You, you, you must be making bank now. It turns out that the the key thing is to to FOMO in, is hold to ignore for three it. years, and exactly you know, that's fine. Ignore it. Yep. 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 That's it. that's the plan. That's my long term plan. Hold on for ten years. Forget about the wallet. Think about it later. Just don't just well, don't lose good. the keys. You'll you'll become one of those people, right? Where it's like, oh, there's right. this wallet and it's dead and it's in, in you know dormant, and then one day it'll be like, bang, back to life, and a whale alert will go off. I do have Bitcoin somewhere. I know there's wallet keys on some sort of spinning hard drive that's in the cabinet behind me. I know there is. I know there is. I know there is. Because I remember minting it. I remember running it. It's it's probably dust, but I know it's on there. It's on there somewhere, which I'm never going to go look. Gone forever. I've talked about this before, but I have, I had like 20 Bitcoin that I used to trade with Diablo 2 and I got scammed out of something, some small amount, like a quarter of a Bitcoin or something at some point. And I just toasted the wallet. So somewhere in in, in the reality is 20 Bitcoin just sitting there because as a college student, I was like, screw this stupid token money. Is it real? PayPal's not going to help me out. I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm done. That's what they said. Like the the amount of Bitcoin they thought is lost is like a huge percentage, right? Of of outstanding, some massive yeah. number. Yeah, yeah. One day that will be nuked too because there's a finite amount of it. No more's coming. Uh huh. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Don't pump. Listen. Don't shill on here. Keep your fucking new talk out here. <laughs> uh, how's my Netta doing, by the way? I think it hit like forty dollars fi- recently. <laughs> Did it really? Get out of yeah, here. I think so. Where is that? Any of those sites still Go, exist? Golden ratio again. Uh, uh, apparently sure. just made, made it. They, they, Gi- they ate it. I'm sure. It. They ate it sure. like two months ago and were just like, if Juno go, goes up, surely Netta will pump at some point. So they probably own enough to like take all the, 
all the liquidity at some point. I do not. I mean, that guy, he's on top of it. He really is. He calls each and every one, which makes you wonder, like, at some point of his influence, does it, did, did coins start becoming a thing because he's influencing them? Or is he... <laughs> Who's influencing you know who? I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as, so, as, soon as, as soon as intents are a thing, right? Like, I just want to tell, tell a contract just to copy trade him. Just to be like, you know, at like a thousandth of his size because I don't have his money. Uh, but just to be like, because like he hits everything. It's amazing. Yeah, there was, a, there was a, yeah. yeah, that's what you need. You need a, that's an intense site. That's a good, that's actually a good idea. Those exist in the market where well, they used to ex- ex- exist in the market as well, where you could like, somebody would actually have a portfolio, right? And you would just mirror that portfolio. And then you, you provide, you would have a, a set this up and they would just mirror trades at the same exact time. That's what we should do. He could take 2% out of whatever crap coins I have in there. That's perfect. Let's do that. It's an, this is another Game of Nodes product that isn't going to ship in 2024. Know, <laughs> for sure. But we bring the ideas. I mean, that's that. a good idea. <laughs> Those shirts are coming any day now, by the way. Almost there. We did actually. No, never mind. Never mind. It doesn't matter. <laughs> why, why even bring it up? Doesn't even make a difference. <laughs> like, that's right. Why, why not even say? Well, I literally was going to be like, oh, yeah. On the By the way, on the shirts, we have huge news. We do not. We do not have huge news. No, we don't. <laughs> There's no huge news. So really, that's the summary of the year. Another year, no game with notes shirt. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone.